Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Soho Shortwave, a monthly podcast from Soho Radio, giving you a taste of the best content we produce every month. Soho Radio is an online radio station broadcasting from the heart of Soho, London. We have a wide range of talents and tastes across our music and culture channels. You're always bound to hear something new when you tune in. On this episode of Soho Shortwave, we hear from DJ Kobayashi with B-Side Sessions, The New Romantics, Tony Moore's Musical Emporium, and an interview with Robert Glasper on The Thread. Hey, DJ Kobayashi here. I'm here to talk about B-Side Sessions at Soul Radio every four week, Thursday, two o'clock to four o'clock. The show represents a unique sound which is often found on the B-Side of a record. The main theme of the show is global funk, organic grooves and word beats. I like to mix the sound from the Middle East to Afrobeat and Latin music. I'm not mainly focusing on the new releases, it's more about enjoying music, no matter when it's being released, so it can be something that came fresh yesterday, or it can be something that I have in my bag for so many years, which I've been playing in so many gigs, and I'm like, oh, you gotta check it out, so I, I want to put it on the show. So tune in to find out more. We've been listening to Sefi Sizzling. Featuring Laila Mualem and Jasmine Mualem. This is uh, his new album out of Through Thoughts Records. Next up, we got a very uh, interesting album, uh, The Invisible Man. It's an orchestra tribute to Dr. Dre. Sly Fifth Avenue also on Through Thoughts. If you're a fan of hip-hop and you like Dr. Dre's work, you should definitely check this album because it's a nice twist of his, uh, all of his work, basically. I don't know if you can get which song this one is, like, it's still on the orchestra side of it. While he's gonna break down, you're gonna be like, yeah, I know what it is. He builds such a nice tension with the, with the strings and the harmonies. Sly Fifth Avenue. Featuring Corey Henry. Out of Through Thoughts Records. Coming up next, we got again Sefi. Sefi Sizzling. That one is a happy solar return. It's featuring Kutiman. 
every time you're featuring Kuti, man, you know you're gonna get a boom. You know, it's a journey of about eight, nine minutes track. Just let it take you. the so ons Taj Taj I think it's Taj out on transistor sound see our guests standing outside waiting for coming into the box very soon got Penia coming up very soon the next one will be an edit that actually I did for Ibrahim Alouf uh, for Hashish now that is out on banana hill as a free download with an option to pay and everything that you pay go to charity so check it out What a tune, what a summer tune, even though it's, it's half summer outside. I mean, we're actually boiling here in the box. Super hot. Uh, we got our guest in the studio. Penia, say hi, everybody. Hey. Oh, hi. I want to start actually with one of your songs from the, from the EP. This is called Yale. Yale? Yale? Yale. We, we established that. record those birds like in Hampstead Heath or uh, that's <laughs> actually um, it was uh, I spotted online that Yellowstone Park in the States uh, would we have just released this free download library of, of field recordings of Yellowstone Park so it's everything from like rivers to like different hogs or whatever like waterfalls bird song and I thought, great, I'm going to put this all over this record and like downloaded loads and loads and loads of it and then just used like a couple of little bits. Yeah, eventually deleted it all and just used those bits of Birdsong. That's um, brilliant. But there's also, in, in the fades on the tracks, there's also like um, where we recorded, where, where I recorded that stuff with Emsafiri, there was like kids outside the building and um, like motorbikes going past and, and little Birdsong as well. So there's a little bit of like actual ambient sound from where we recorded it as well, sort of mixed in with it. Nice. So th there's a very strong element of the electronic music with the live instruments. Uh huh. Uh, I went to see you on Monday at the Royal Albert Hall in in a smaller room. <laughs> However, yeah, still the Royal Albert Hall. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Which was fantastic. And one of the things that blew my mind was that the mixture of the trombone with fantastic effects and the harmonies of the vocals went lily. I was. <laughs> well, what? <laughs> well, last time you. I spoke with you, we were talking about playing basketball together. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how does how does it work? Like, does do you usually come with it, with the concept of of a written song, like a traditional way, or mm. you created it from scratch with bars, loops? Like, what is the workflow on that? 
it's changing it cha- it changes from song to song really but um and i guess everyone in the band has a slightly different perspective of how they see a track coming together but from where i'm sitting it looks like i often might come in with some beats that i've made and then we'll just start chucking on top of it and but then anything can happen and we can end up just completely abandoning the initial rhythmic thing and 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 it can morph into something completely new also like vo- these guys have loads of resources like vocally um and that they can often come in with real fresh vocal ideas which then i like anchor the beats on too you know so there's lots of, there are different ways into each track really and the guys have their own perspective on how that works as well i'm sure so so where where are you from like let's start one by one uh well, <laughs> well, well, well state your name my name's magnus magnus, magnus. uh i was born and bred in watford north of here by about 20 miles not very interesting yeah that's me uh, yeah there you go magnus from watford right <laughs> next to you <laughs> i'm lily and uh, i'm from finland from finland so i was i grew up there and i came to london to study and that's a long time ago now okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm jim uh, i was born and uh, grew up in guernsey in the channel islands um been in London since uh, for a long time, as uh, since the 80s, and uh, that's it. Lived in the States for three years and uh, got into Latin music, and that's why I met these people here. Yeah. And uh, there's a strong Latin influence in yeah. the music. I mean, you're singing in Spanish, isn't it? Yeah. We, I mean, we all met basically playing salsa. Okay. Like we, yeah. um, that's how we know each other. Yeah. Don't think. Well, were you dancing? Kind of, Magnus. He was. I'm sort of fringes. Lurking, lurking on the edge. Sort of malcontent. But that's basically what like brought us together, and then this music kind of spawned. Yeah. Should also say our fourth family member, Viva, is who's not here today because she's she's doing something else. But Viva Missy Mang plays trombones and sings in the band. Yeah, she's the missing um, link. She's the yeah. missing link. She's not here today, so we're we're a quartet. Quartet. It's yeah. not. It's not just yeah. the three of us. <laughs> yeah. I, m- I remember seeing four, and I wasn't. There was definitely four. Definitely four. Definitely yeah. four. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. I want to play another tune uh, from the EP Penny Safari. 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 Yeah. I mixed up the pronunciation. Okay. So that's hey yeah hey. Hey yeah, hey yeah, yeah. Hey yeah, <laughs> I was trying to hey get yeah. it right, and I heard it's it perfect. in the headphones. Uh, it's are, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, let, let's go for it. Hey yeah, 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 hey yeah. We were saying that that was very watery. That, that's the comment that came from you guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, was, it was watery. Define that. Okay. Um, <laughs> the lyrics are in re- referencing that stuff, isn't it? What, yeah. Go on. Lily. I mean, Alto is Finnish for wave. And um, I'm not sure how we... Well, the, 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 rith- the rhythm, that's kind of speeding up thing of the, with the... Keep at the th- at the end is is kind of taken from a from a uh, a song to Yemaya, who's a, who's a god of of or goddess of the seas in, in the Afro-Cuban religion, okay. uh, or in Brazil it's uh, 
Jimanja. I think this is pronounced it differently, but anyway. So so that's got a water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's got a water water thing. I, I mean, yeah. I think we I think we decided. Yeah, we decided to kind of make this track about water. I feel. Yeah, we did. Yeah, and we then did. we found different things. So, the vocal at the end. Um, that's from the Finnish. The lyrics are from the Finnish national epic. I guess it's called Kalevala, and they're a, like a Finnish poem to the to the goddess of water. Okay. So we kind of mm. took this, took took some liberties, Pretty combined cool. <laughs> the Afro-Cuban kind mm. of um, goddess of the sea, mm. and then Alotar, which is um, the Finnish. It's really interesting. That's cool. Yeah. So Alotar means kind of queen of the waves, I guess, and that's where the word Alto comes from. Yeah, and that that was uh, featured the uh, the sax. Oh, the flute and the bass clarinet yeah. was um, yeah. on bass that track was um, from Tamar. Yeah, she was she was she was awesome on that. Yeah, is that something that you do often? Collaboration with different artists from different labels, or well, we um, uh, well, well, yes, it looks like it. I mean. Um, we're we're still quite young in 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 terms of what we were doing. Really, our first album was very much just the four of us, and then obviously this is our second thing. The M. Safiri thing is a big collaborative aspect in that. I really like that. I really like doing that. Um, the the release we're working on currently is is our second album. It's very much like a statement of like the four of us, the quartet as we are at the moment. But we have we we have collaborated with couple of really exciting artists on a couple of tracks cool. which will be revealed soon because it feels like that on the corner as well they're doing a lot with the the artists with on the label doing the remixes yeah yeah so some of them yeah uh, yeah yeah and i mean we did a, we did a collaboration as well with a band called denga 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 ah, yeah, which ah. they released an ep on ah, yeah, on the corner that. and yeah the track is called pua um Pua-a. which we did together with them I'm Will Eaves, uh, and I'm a novelist and poet, reportedly. And I'm Sophie Scott, and I'm the director of the Institute for Cognitive Neuroscience at University College London. And we are, together, the Neuromantics. I met Sophie a few years ago because she was, um, turned out to be one of my readers, possibly my only reader, uh, and got in touch with me. I wrote a review of your book on Amazon. I think that was it. <laughs> oh, that's it. Yeah. Yes. And I, I and I was so I was so desperate for any sign that anyone had read the book at all that I think I, I, I it was the only review, and I think I kind of got in touch. With something. <laughs> thank, you, thank you for writing a review of my book. No one else has reviewed it anywhere. <laughs> One of the things that I enjoy about getting to talk to Will is that uh, I think it's very interesting to explore the ways that art and science try to understand the world in general, but try to understand humans and human behavior and human communication in particular. And I've always been a bit horrified by that kind of C.P. Snow idea of two cultures that could never have anything in common, because I don't think that's true. I think that a very pressing human need to try and understand the world and understand ourselves and you can probably learn a great deal about how we do that by studying writing as much as by studying brains we're the new romantics and you can find us on soho radio on the culture channel on saturday mornings and you can also find the podcast over on your usual podcast provider and if you really want some punishment you can find it on my website 
willieves.com. But you know, you might have to queue because there's quite a lot of people <laughs> wanting to get onto that site. Just, just warning you, just putting it out there. What you're about to hear is a clip from the first episode of season two. That's right, you heard it correctly, season two of The New Romantics. Some people are like an open grave. You give it the thing you love most and then get nothing in return. A man hard done by, yet generous, is a rock on which light rain falls. Tufts of moss grow, but flowers won't bloom. You're given the fruit of one palm tree. Bear it a basin of clear water. Don't trouble with the plight of other palms. What the poems are doing when they're... What strikes me about them is how exact they are. Yeah. They're, just, they're very, very... When you, when you see an object in them or a situation, it is classically more real than the real thing itself. It's that business of language reifying and which, you know, means bringing into being um, something within words of itself, you know, something mm. apart from the physical world. And that thing that's brought into being is more exact than the object. And that's a very a powerful drive, I think, in art, is to create, or it's an ancient drive, to create a thing that is somehow, it's not exactly a replacement for the world, but it's a preservation of it. Yeah. You know, it's you know that the world is going to fall apart. You will go to your grave. You know, you will die. But you somehow produce in art, there's a hope that you are contributing to a tradition, something immemorial. And that's very present in all these poems. And it's very, very different to what we generally think of, I think, in modern poetry, which is art is something that breaks up tradition and does something defiantly new, and it's not art unless it does that. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. And, it, and, and I think that it's refreshing to go back to you know, the, the source of art, which is, which is actually not about originality, but is it about you know, mummifying something in a very beautiful way, preserving yeah. it so that it becomes... Something's been captured. Yeah. yeah, immemorial, yeah. Yeah. I was really... I mean, partly because I think lockdown has made me sort of a bit hysterical for anything to do with sensations that are not associated with my living room and sort of being outside. My son had to do a school exam with a, a bit from Jane Eyre, where Jane Eyre goes for a walk and it's just before she meets Mr Rochester and... Um, so there's all these sort of things going on in the countryside. And it's all cold, and I couldn't oh, that's stop right. reading. And she comes it. back in, and he's there. Yeah, yes. yeah. and it's yeah. so kind of. I was just like, this is the best thing that's ever been written. I think because yeah. it's describing being outside, <laughs> but in this very kind of intense way. And I got a similar thing reading the poems. You know, it, it was very hard to separate it from my my current situation. But they were. I mean, they're obviously absolutely beautiful. But as you say, it's almost like a painting. There's something sort of, yeah. sort of genuinely. I mean, to say mummified feels like it's somehow a judgmental term, but there's, it's like a flower pressed. There's a sort yeah, of... Yeah, it's preserved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's something very human about that, that kind of uh, appreciation for and desire for to sort of not just to see, but to describe and to capture and to own somehow beauty and things of the world. I've been reading some stuff about human aesthetic responses to visual stimuli for a talk mm. that I'm doing and they're always so keen to argue it away from being anything to do with beauty so there's a whole thing humans like shiny things okay 
Yeah. And it's a very, very robust finding. Um, and the scientific <laughs> perspective on this is it's the that, COVID approach to aesthetics, <laughs> isn't it? Well, they basically say, well, it's, you know, the, the papers all say, well, it's because water is shiny and it's important that humans know about water. So that's why we like shiny things. Can that really be the case? Because I think everything needs to know about water. That's, you know, some look from dragonflies through to bears, water matters. So why would it just be us that cares and a handful of other animals that cares about shiny things? And there's, there's, mm. there's something more going on there. I think part of it's to do with, you know, like you say, Corvid's birds see colour, we see colour, lots of animals don't see colour like us. I, I think it's, it's just, you know, the simple, simple proposition is, it, does the aesthetic actually help us remember things better? And it's I not, think the answer is it probably does. Yeah, and it's not independent of your engagement with it and enjoyment of it. There doesn't have to be some incredibly important evolutionary benefit from engaging with it in this way as the, no. the, the shiny things literature tends to want. That it's, there's a sort of appreciation for the complexity and meaning of form that humans seem to have. I think this thing of, you know, um, the objects in these poems becoming becoming more themselves in language than, than they are anyway. You yeah. know, it's part of what we're calling this, this, this process of preservation. Yeah. But it's, I think it's also a way of, you know, the Buddhists would say it's, <laughs> Buddhists I suppose to Islam, but the Buddhists would say it's a way of honouring the world. Uh, yes, yeah, celebrations. That, that's an important aspect of it. And it, I think it's also a way of handing something on. You know, I don't think a tradition is just a sentimental thing in art. I think it is like, um, very much like handing on a skill, mm. you know, uh, um, through the generations. So our constructive and aesthetic DNA, if that's not a kind of, com- it's a sort of, you know, complete you know, mess of terms, is, it's very, it's hardwired into us in some way to celebrate to render things in an aesthetically exact way so mm. that we don't lose grasp of the real, you know, we don't devalue the real world, we don't take it for granted. What's up, everybody? I'm Alex. And I'm Nick. We are the host of the show called The Thread on SohoRadioLondon.com. The Thread is a show that uses jazz and improvised music as a base, but goes to the fringes of that music and brings you brand new stuff from the incredible homegrown scene here in the UK, as well as around the world. Plus, we feature special guests in conversation with some of the biggest names and groundbreaking musicians. Some past guests have been Kamasi Washington, Nubaya Garcia, Giles Peterson, Christian McBride, many, many, many others, all worth listening to. The Thread airs fortnightly, from four to six on Soho Radio London's music channel. But now here's a clip of us speaking with Robert Glasper backstage at Lafayette just before the lockdown. Catch the thread on SohoRadioLondon.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right. FTB by Robert Glasper. We're gonna play our backstage interview with him. It was uh, it was really really cool to have him last week. I can't even express. We were just off air talking about how 
It's really one of the best trios in the world is Derek Hodge, Chris Dave, and him. And then he had, you know, he had the DJ playing samples and spoken word over really emotive stuff. Um, really, I, I, can't, I can't stress it enough. If you get a chance to see Robert Glasper in any form, you really should do. So we're in the, um, the back speakeasy of this brand new venue, Lafayette, where we have had the absolute honour of uh, presenting you here for the last three nights. I'm going to say, when your people, can I call them your people? Your team reached out and what they said was, can we create something a little bit like the 50 show residency you did at Blue Note, right. which was incredible, man. Yeah. I saw some of the footage. It's, it's exactly how I want to see you as a fan of you, yeah. you know, in that small, intimate environment. So, you know, Lafayette here, small club. Why do you like doing that? I like the people being right here. I yeah. like to feel it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You feel the energy more. Mm. And, and it's just a better experience for them and a better experience for me. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just nothing like it, being in a smaller place. You know, I, I hate uh, you know, the huge venues. It's just like, watch me. You know, yeah. just like, you know. Here, I can, like, you know, give somebody a high-five in the audience. Yeah. So they, they can literally, I can look you in your eye. You know what I mean? They can see what I'm doing, see what Derek's doing, see what Chris is doing. You know what I mean? It's a whole different experience, yes. hands down. So I, I, I much, I really enjoy small places. We used to, we used to, um, in New York, me, Chris, and Derek used to, uh, there's a club that only fits 60 people, maybe 80 at the most. Um, Which one's that? It was called the 55 Bar. Oh, yeah, 55. That's Stern, right? Mike Stern owns it, doesn't he? Uh, He might own it by now because he played there all the time. I wouldn't doubt he owns it. I wouldn't (laughs) doubt it. But there used to be this manager named Scott or the owner or the manager or something like that. Anyway, I would call him the day before and be like, yo, we're all in town. Can we play there tomorrow? Yeah. And he'll be like, sure, come do a midnight thing. And we would wait until the next day halfway through the day and be and then say it hey we're gonna be you know oh that's the way yeah. boom like and friends. then like literally yeah like like literally there were like you know fucking 500 people outside and the only people could be and but you could see through the window yeah. you know what i mean i remember the last time we did it we did that and it was the street was packed of people and literally and all of a sudden we're playing this song all of a sudden hear a fucking trumpet out of nowhere it's fucking roy yeah, um, you know, and we hear it. I just heard it, and I heard it getting closer and closer. But you couldn't see anything because there were so many people. And then he just wiggled his way, and then it was like, "Oh fuck, it's Roy!" And he played with us. You know what I mean? Like that was, yeah, man. I want to talk to you about just for a brief moment about uh, "Fuck Your Feelings" because yep. that's what you're torn. Torn. It feels very, very live. Yeah, it is. And, and all, all your records feel very, very live. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the making of that record and the concept of "Fuck Your Feelings"? Yeah, I mean, my records in general, I try to, and, and definitely "Fuck Your Feelings." I always try to keep a live element and a realistic element. I try to make it as close to a live show as possible. So I don't record in the daytime because I never play in the daytime. I record at night because I play at night. I drink. Prince vibes. Because I play, I drink when I play. <laughs> is, the, is the drink the same as the gig in the... In the... Uh, might, be, shoot, might be more in the studio, actually. Because yeah. <laughs> really, what we do in the studio is... We hang out and hang and hang and drink and whatever, just kick it. And then we'll be like, you feel like playing something? All right. And we'll go in and play. And we'll play for like 45 minutes straight. That's what we did with fucking feelings. We literally did that. We just hang out. And before I got to L.A., uh, it, we recorded two days. Before, originally, it was just us three in the studio kicking it, yeah. hanging out. And I was just, let's record some stuff, see what happens. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, you know what? Let me invite a few people to come hang out. So I just called a few people, like, I made a little flyer, and I just put it to a, a few people. Yeah. Come hang out. So yeah. we got couches put in the studio, 
inside the where we're playing, and then we got like twelve cams. Yeah, man. so you can be in there here, right. damn near a full bar. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it became a hang, and then it just the word spread, and then just people started coming and hanging out while we were recording. You know what I mean? So like. YBN came, Herbie came, you know, all yeah. the people that's just, just right. rolling through. Uh, Yubba, I didn't even yeah. know she was coming till like that it day. Was yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? So that, 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 that's why it felt like that. And we're just kicking it like we're in a club. And, and, and because when you're recording, you can, because you can always re record. Shit came yeah, out, man. Yeah. You can yeah. always re record. Yeah. I knew nobody was expecting that record. I didn't have a yeah. necessary deadline. So if it came out whack, I could just, okay, well, let's do it next week or we'll figure it out, you know, whatever. But I love, the, I love, the fact that I love recording like I play live because yes. I feel like that's the there's no better feeling than being somewhere and feeling like it's live you know what I mean yeah. you can have records all day when you go see a live performance it's like oh my god so mm. I try my best to bring that to the recording that's interesting so the, the way the guests happen because I remember hearing on the Talib uh, podcast about mm. how with Black Radio getting everyone's diaries synced to get Erica in the room yep. and, and everyone was yep. was a nightmare. Whereas yep. this seems a little bit more organic. It was super organic. Yeah, there, there wasn't a there was not a list of people. I was like, this is who I want on, yeah. on the fuck your feelings. That's kind of not how I even do black radios. Yeah. Really, yeah. it's kind of it's very 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 organic. It's kind of like who have I been talking to in these recent? Who's been in my spectrum in this mm. recent time? Mm. You know what I mean? Boom, boom, boom. But then there's some people where I'm like, I want to reach out to that person. So like who's, that. who's some of them? Because I've seen some people pop up on your Instagram. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to hear that record. Like, see you playing with Ben Harper and stuff. Yeah, I, I haven't heard the track. You know? But, <laughs> yeah, that, that, but, you know. Was, that was on Ben Harper's album. I don't know. I don't know if that came out or not. He put it. He, he put it on an instrumental album. So I, I went there and did some did some stuff for him. For that. Is there is there like a couple of bucket list artists that you haven't played with yet? Maybe outside of the states that you want to bring in? Tom York. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. He's probably my Tom York and B York. All the Yorks. Bring them yeah. all. <laughs> we can do it in New York. <laughs> yo, yo. He's thinking about this. He's about this. <laughs> That's gonna be my thing. Yeah. No, as far as international artists go, those are literally in my top two. They've always been. Yeah. Like Tom and B York. One hundred percent. Uh taking a bit of a left turn. You know, you're very you, you've been in this thing for a long, long time. You've been playing from a very young age. I wanted to ask you, maybe give a gem of advice to maybe some of the younger artists that are coming to now when they're facing a world where it, it seems like music school versus the punk thing is is um, more relevant now than ever because things are becoming so institutionalized. And mm -hmm. I know you've you've spoken on things like this before. Mm -hmm. What's a bit of advice for you know a 15, 16 year old kid that just loves it and doesn't know how to approach? learning their instrument and whatever um, I just I, I say just make sure you have a healthy balance what I did was I made sure I wanted to go to school in New York because for me I needed the healthy balance of being after I leave the school walls I needed somewhere to go and get the real shit mm. you know what I mean mm. I wanted somewhere I can go to this club go to this club go to this club hear students that were better than me <laughs> and see my see my the, the masters of the music play and then you have school where they teach you whatever they teach you and you take some of those things because they're important and you leave some of those things because they're not important you know what I mean mm -hmm. but you need to have the balance because some people all they have is the school if you go to a school at a place like I always say it's like um, 
um, going to going to swimming school in the desert. Like, if you go into the school and they have a pool, mm-hmm. you're in school swimming, but when you walk out of that school, there's nowhere to fucking swim. You know what I mean? So you're only, your only connection to the swimming is the pool. Mm-hmm. And that's how some people are with college. They yes. all, there's nothing to do outside of those walls. Yeah. So they're locked in that college and they get that college mentality. And those teachers who are probably failed musicians or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Some schools have great teachers, yes. but uh, well, most teachers... Wanted to, to wanted to do it, couldn't do it. So like, why am I learning from you again? Yes, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I know this for a fact. You know, what I mean? so some of those teachers can really hold you back. Some of some of those teachers can be very um, spiteful and very uh, very jealous because you're doing gigs they want to do. You know what I mean? So you have to have a balance outside of that school with leave the negative stuff. Take what you can. It's it's really good to know what you're doing. Understand understand your craft to the fullest. You know yeah, what I mean? But also get out there. And learn from the streets yeah. at, at the same time. So I would definitely say it's both. It's I, I I would not if I could do it all over again, I would take the same path. I would definitely go to music school. Yeah, because that's the, the music school I chose. I feel like I chose the right place to go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I hooked up with the right teachers. They taught me the right things, and I and I met the right people at the yeah. school. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was just just following on. It reminded me of the Miles quote where he said, "You know, learn all the, learn all the notes, learn all the scales and stuff, and then forget them." Exactly, because it's going to hold you back. It's going to yep. keep you in the box. Yeah. And it also reminded me of a, a great music education uh, uh, organization we have in London called Tomorrow's Warriors, and mm. they're a grassroots mm. organization. They bring up musicians, and we've had them in, and they they like their big thing is get the guys out playing. You know. Yeah. Get them jamming with each other. Yeah. That's that's the learning process. Right? That's the learning that's the process. And, and also with colleges too, what I feel a lot of colleges doing, I feel like they breed you to learn how to play in a restaurant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's what they're putting out because you have to learn these hundred standards. If you don't know these standards, yeah. you can't play. You got, you got, you got, how are you going to get a gig? Mm-hmm. The gigs you want, they're not playing standards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The gigs you want are with... Matheny and mm-hmm. me and yeah. <laughs> those cats. We ain't yeah. playing standards. We're playing original music. The standard. If you want, if you have to learn all these standards, you're 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 getting breeded to play at a cocktail party. You yeah. know what I mean? That that's the kind of musician they're breeding. A lot of colleges. They're not showing you how to be the best version of yourself and how to learn who you are yes. and and really focus on your composition and what you're trying. You know, they don't they don't really do that. Maybe maybe we could finish on um, just. Uh, the influence of McCoy, who sadly passed um, this week. Yeah. Maybe we could ask you to choose a track that will play. Um, oh yeah. One of, one of your faves, maybe. Woo. Mm. Actually, I'll choose a, a song from McCoy's album. Oh man, there's so many though. There's an album I love with uh, McCoy and Roy Haynes. Yeah. Trio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they play "Have You Met Miss Jones." It's really killer. Do that one. But I, I gotta, I gotta go. I, I'm gonna go the real McCoy, yes. Passion Dance. Yes, <laughs> I was hoping you'd say. Joe hit us. I gotta, yeah, 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 yeah. Passion Dance for sure. That's one of the first right. tunes I ever, I ever arranged. Mm. In eleventh grade, I got, I, I got picked. They did this thing, best high school students mm. in America, mm. and you go to Denver and you all do a camp, high school, and that's where I met Terrace Martin at the camp, wow. and Keon Harold at yeah. the camp, and Brandon Owens at the yeah. camp. And right there at the camp, I, I had to arrange one song, and I arranged Passion Dance, and we played it there. Yeah, that was my first, probably the first time arranging any song in eleventh grade, maybe. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah, for sure. It's fun. Definitely.
Hi, my name's Tony Moore, and I present a show called Tony Moore's Musical Emporium every Saturday on the Culture Channel on Soho Radio. Uh, I've been doing this show now since the very first week that Soho Radio started, so that's we're now in our seventh year. And it's a fun, upbeat show. Uh, there's a lot of music in it, a lot of new music, a lot of music sessions, and also lots of uh, classic songs. But we have some interesting features as well. Uh, we have uh, something we do called the Six Degrees of Celebration, where Caroline McNamara, my producer and uh, co-presenter, researches the history behind six different pieces of music and joins them all together, a bit like that game, the Six Degrees of Separation with Kevin Bacon. So you could start with any song, uh, but then the next song has a very strong personal link back to the first one. It might be that the same producer both produced both tracks or the same drummer played on both tracks and then the second and third have a different link so the third song may be um, the singer on the third song was the backing singer on the second song or something like that this way we get to enjoy a very uh, interesting journey through musical history and we get to learn a little bit about the stuff behind the scenes on the songs that we didn't know before we also have uh, guests come on the show who do live music performance and we have lots of interviews and uh, interactivity with uh, everybody who's listening. So this takes place every Saturday morning. It runs from 12 midday till 2 p.m. And um, I hope you'll come and join me. Uh, coming up now, you're going to hear uh, a clip of some of the sections from the most recent show. Well, there we go. The fantastic uh, jump by Van Halen. You can't go wrong with that, can you? Just uh, just gets everybody wanting to jump. I love that song. Uh, a couple of other things I noticed going on here in the uh, overheard at work thing. Uh, FYI, you have smooth elbows. Really? That's very strange, isn't it? Uh, and I love this one. Cheese will always be there for you. Cheese will never let you down. Incredible, eh? Why don't we have another in the six degrees of celebration from the beautiful and fantastic Caroline McNamara. Caroline, tell us, where are we going now? So our song one was I Got a Feeling by the Black Eyed Peas. The single spent 14 weeks at number one and the song was released on May the 21st, 2009. At the 52nd Grammy Awards, it won the Grammy for Best Pop Performance by a duo or group with vocals. The co-producer of the album of the end was the French DJ David Guetter. So I've chosen one of David's biggest tracks. Here he is, alongside Sia and Titanium. Well, there we go. Titanium taking us perfectly up to the half-hour mark, ready for our Back to the Future feature. We know how this works. Tell me, what is this if it was the right way round? Yeah, interesting stuff, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> it's exactly the same. I will play that in its entirety before the end of the show. But in the meantime, here's for the winner. Yes, you were really good. I know you have to tweet it at Tony Moore One. I, I forgot to mention that, didn't I? Well, I did say it earlier in the show. Uh, at Tony Moore One, if you know what the answer is, but it's already won. It's already been done. I can tell. There we go. Fantastic stuff. Real love. That was the Kingdom Choir. Oh, 
uh, do you know what? The, the time is just flying by, um, and uh, and I'm enjoying myself greatly here, sharing some fantastic music and some great features. Um, why don't we have a little McNamara moment followed uh, by the fifth and the sixth degrees of celebration? McNamara moment, Caroline. What have you got lined up for us this week? Thanks, Tony. Today's McNamara moment is for coffee lovers everywhere. Did you know that Costa Coffee employed Gennaro Polizia as their chief coffee taster, who had his tongue insured for £10 million since 2009? I wonder if he checks my decaf coffee as well. Probably not, as I think I'm in a bit of a minority there. Good work, Gennaro. Keep it up. See you next week, folks. Gotta love a McNamara moment. So whilst we're on the uh, the subject of McNamara and this, uh, Caroline, please enlighten us as to what the fifth song in the Six Degrees of Celebration is this week. So our song for today was Put Your Records On by Corinne Bailey Ray taken from her self-titled debut studio album in 2006. Written by Bailey Ray, John Beck and Steve Cristanu, it was released as the album's second single in February and early March 2006 and was the lead single in North America. The track was co-produced by Jimmy Hogarth and Jimmy's worked on some wonderful tracks. Our song 5 will be some of Jimmy's work, with our very own treasure, Beverly Knight. Here's Beverly and Not Too Late for Love. Hey y'all, this is Britt Gully and you are listening to the Tony Moore Musical Emporium. Y'all pay attention. Thank you, Britt Gully. Um, ladies and gentlemen, what a beautiful journey it has been. And Caroline McNamara, thank you so much for being a dedicated, professional, fabulous producer and doing such hard work. Um, lots of people who are regulars will know, but um, for those of you who've just joined the show, Caroline has a uh, not only a full-time job, but her job is full-time. Uh, she works uh, for Help Musicians, and right now, in the middle of this um, pandemic, musicians are one of the key groups that are completely and utterly decimated by the fact we can't work at all anywhere. Nowhere. There are no gigs to be had, uh, no tours to be done. It's a very, very tough time and it affects musicians right across the board um, from touring musicians uh, all the way down to people who play in bars and clubs and, uh, and pubs. And, and it's hitting everybody very hard in the pocket. So Help Musicians is not only an incredible charity that's been helping musicians with um, key funding to sort people out who are really stuck, uh, but also helping people with um, their mental health and in many other ways. So thank you, Caroline. I know that you are uh, very burdened <laughs> with challenges uh, that need to be solved right now. So finding the time to uh, help put together the magic you do for this show is gratefully uh, and uh, wonderfully received. So now then, we are going to have a listen to the Back to the Future feature. Uh, first the wrong way round and then the right way round because you'll get really frustrated if you didn't know the answer and you kind of had it on the tip of your tongue. This is it if it was the wrong way round. 
What on earth could that be if it was the right way round? Well, it has to be Super Tramp and give a little bit, doesn't it? Thanks for listening to Soho Shortwave. If you want to hear more like this, you can subscribe to the podcast. Tune in live to the Musical Culture Channel at SohoRadioLondon.com or catch up on Mixcloud. This is a Soho Radio Productions podcast.